Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. This is another Astros podcast. Padres with a 4-1 to lead over the Astros, bottom of the ninth inning. And a new pitcher, it's the Padres' closer, Brad Hand. Astros down to their final out, and they'll send up a pinch hitter for Brian McCann. This will be Max Stassi coming to the plate. The 0-2, swing and a miss. That's the ball game as Stassi strikes out. Gonzalez had taken off. As the Astros see their win streak come to an end at five games, Padres take game one of the series, winning tonight by a final of 4-1. to one. Well, I saw a guy that was battling uh, his pitches. You know, I think he, he didn't have his breaking ball like he normally does, and, and so he had to kind of make do with uh, with less than his best pitch. And, and, you know, he battled. I never thought the, the game was going to get away from him at all. And then the two strike hits in the in the what, five hits in a row in the in the fifth um, kind of did him in. So it, he was battling. You know, the shape of his breaking ball and the and his his ability to to, to finish hitters um, much of the night. A couple of uncharacteristic walks for him to to in some situations that he normally you know is inside the strike zone. So um, not a great night, not a horrible night, but not a not a night where he had his best stuff. What about you guys offensively? Like maybe when you got to their bullpen, it might be a chance to do something, but they really shut you down. Yeah, pretty quiet. I mean, it was a pretty quiet night all the way around. You know, we couldn't couldn't piece <clears throat> too many things together. So, um, yeah, pretty quiet night. They obviously got some matchups. They pitched their game plan pretty well. It looked like they um, they did pound us inside a little bit, either either by design or um, by result. So, um, but yeah, certainly a quiet night. Obviously not often that McCullough doesn't have that breaking ball, but can you tell early when on those? Yeah, I mean, just a little bit of the lateral break. You know, his ball was going side to side a little bit as opposed to to, to top down, which is, you know, he can do that from time to time and still get away with it. He's, he's got he's got plenty of spin, plenty of break. Um, but it did it did alter his command of the pitch, and I think that's, um, you know, he bounced it pretty pretty far out in front of the plate a couple times. He didn't, um, wasn't able to, to to throw it where he wanted to or when he wanted to. And that's, you know, no matter what that pitch is, whether it's somebody's fastball or someone's changeup, someone's breaking ball, if you can't do that, um, it makes for a, bat- a night you have to battle. We obviously talked about McHugh trying to find his role. And it seemed like he came and got you something else. Yeah, he did. Obviously, the first the first batter, he ne- we needed him to stop the inning. Um, and, and he came in and, and got the punch out of Hedges. And then he settled in nicely. He gave us a chance to come back. We couldn't put anything together offensively, but... Um, on, a, on this particular night, McHugh's ability to keep it close uh, gave us a chance. Were you surprised Hosmer went for a second on that? 
Uh, not really. I mean, he decided right out of the shoot. You know, when you run when you run out of the box like that, you got a chance to to put some pressure on the defense. And 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 certainly, he normally hits the ball to left center a ton. He rarely hits the ball to to straightaway center the way he did. So coming out of the box, he obviously uh, hunted a double right out of the gate. And and so I, I certainly applaud him for that. That's the that's the right play out of a hitter. Um, I'm not surprised by him, but but more surprised that he hit it where he hit it. Despite the slow night offensively, did you still feel like there were quality at bats because there were still some hard hit balls? And some yeah, no, we, we yeah. I mean, this is this was a night about their game plan and what they did to uh, to get their outs. You know, I think our guys, you know, we battled as much as we could. These are guys we hadn't seen, and it um, it looked like his ball was moving. Perdomo's ball was moving all over the place. Yates got a good arm. Uh, Lyles came in and did his part. Um, and then Hand was inside the strike zone today, which he hasn't been a lot of the season. So they pieced together with the guys they wanted to pitch. Um, they executed what they needed to, and, and we had a quiet night. What did you see from Ken Giles? Uh, you know, I think, you know, the, the hanging breaking ball or a little bit the breaking ball that hung up a little bit um, to extend the inning, you know, hurt him a little bit. You know, there seemed to be one little mistake here and there um, that 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 kind of creates havoc for him in an inning. You know, the the, the the base hit to center, Hosmer legs it out for a double. Instead of the inning ending, the next hitter, um, just some, you know, even like a medium mistake breaking ball, the guy hits into left field and, and he ends up having a run against him, sends him home frustrated. So, um, you know, certainly wanted to keep that game three to one. He hadn't pitched in four days, um, you know, but his, his fastball was good. I thought his breaking ball, he threw some really good breaking balls. Uh, just a night where he gave up a run. Welcome back to Astro Launch, everybody. This is Steve Sparks, and I'm with the manager of the San Diego Padres. It's Andy Green. Andy, you and I were teammates with the Arizona Diamondbacks. It was 2004. You got called up, and I don't know if you remember this, but we went to see a movie in Montreal with one of our teammates at his urging, and we saw Napoleon Dynamite. We had no idea what we were in store for, but Napoleon Dynamite. How did that character in particular shape you as a manager? <laughs> oh man the main thing i remember about montreal i actually got a start there i got two hits off levon hernandez so that's like the first <laughs> thing that comes to my mind when you say montreal but uh you know what that guy wasn't afraid to dance in front of anybody and so every now and again uh, no matter what's going on and who's staring at you, you just gotta dance a little bit you just gotta dance a little bit all right we we i hear so many times andy about your leadership qualities and i think that's probably what got you hired in the first place but uh what kind of style would you say that you have as a manager? I think every manager wants to kind of perceive themselves as a player's manager, some, okay. some guy that uh, people connect with and listen to. And uh, I think right at the top of the list, you have to have a measure of empathy of how difficult this game is to uh, play. And, uh, you know, hitting 200 for my career, like I can perfectly <laughs> attest to the difficulty of this game at the big league level. Uh, but after you have that empathy, you have to have to the ability to provide direction for guys mm. uh, and kind of give them a clear path and speak to the aspirational self, who they want to be, how they want to get there. And uh, when you see a center fielder in Manny Margot, you need to talk to him about what it takes to be a gold glove center fielder. Mm. It's going to go out there and steal 30 or 40 bases a year uh, and, and the path to get there. And you keep talking to that aspirational self. And uh, I think it's for me, it's there's no better calling in life than have the opportunity to pour into 25 guys on a consistent basis and uh, just invest in their life and their journey and try to pull everybody together around like one common goal uh, to eventually do what the Astros have done. You mentioned Margot, and along with Renfro, those are kind of the, the jewels coming up uh, and impact maybe when they get to the big leagues, yeah, but probably more so in, in two or three years when they get established a little bit more. How exciting is it to see them perform at this stage now? 
Yeah, I think it's good for us. Uh, those guys got so much inside of them, and we we got a long list of guys that are that are coming that we're incredibly excited about. Mm-hmm. And you know, Manny and Hunter, they're here now. Uh, they went through that rookie year last year, and they realized it's a little bit tougher in the PCL. Uh, <laughs> scouting reports get out. Uh, guys find weaknesses. They'll hammer the weakness until you close that up, or in cho- until you choose not to swing at it. Uh, and you look up, and those guys both had productive rookie seasons. I think Hunter had 26 home runs. It was a rookie record for the Padres. Uh, there's a ton of pop in that bat, uh, and in Manny's case, it is, uh, it's got the chance to be gold glove caliber center field defense, and uh, he can be electric on the base pass. Uh, it's been a slow start for him this yeah. year, but uh, there's a ton of confidence he'll get it going here soon. Talk with Pat Padres manager Andy Green. What does it mean to have Eric Hosmer in the clubhouse right now to help these guys, a proven winner that won a lot with the Royals? What's it mean to have him in your eyes? Uh, it helps us on so many levels. Yeah. But me as a manager, uh, you always want to look at your players as teammates, guys that you partner with to build something special. And uh, that's the guy that gets it. Uh, and when uh, your best player is your hardest worker, when yeah. your best player uh, models what it's supposed to look like day in and day out for the rest of the guys, uh, the message is easier received uh, when it's like displayed by a player than when it's preached by a coaching staff. And uh, I think he, you know, he does what we preach and what we believe in. And uh, I think you saw yesterday in the game, hits a ball. Uh, straight up the middle, Astro shifted in the outfield, and he's yeah. flying to second base. Uh, he's playing the game aggressively. He's playing the game hard. He's playing the game with the expectation to win. He doesn't doesn't worry about what the matchup says or what anybody else thinks. Uh, I think he's going to be a big part of like establishing that winning culture uh, that we're yearning to create in San Diego. Last thing uh, about Eric Hosmer. He had a quote before this series that he had mentioned to some of the players on this Padres team to watch what it – looks like and feels like playing at Minute Maid Park with all the fans, all the excitement going on, and what an impact a baseball team can have on a city. Yeah, he, he lived that in Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, so what Houston's uh, living right now, he lived in Kansas City with the group of guys he came up with, Lorenzo Cain and Mike Moustakis. Uh, those guys did that in Kansas City. Uh, and he wanted guys to understand the transformation of a city, uh, of what it's like five years ago when he came here to Minute Maid and there was nobody here. And yeah. now, now you can't even hear yourself think when you come to Minute Maid. Mm-hmm. And the ticket prices are all jacked up because yeah. everybody wants to come in and watch them. And uh, uh, he wants guys to get a taste of that because that's what we're going to do in San Diego. And he has that uh, – that vision he's been there he's done that and he's hungry to win it's not just going to settle for like hey you know we'll be mediocre for a bit and then we'll eventually win when prospects arrive he wants to win he wants to win now which is like that's my heartbeat that's the coaching staff's heartbeat that's the heartbeat in this clubhouse all right andy green thanks a lot for catching up and uh best of luck the rest of the season appreciate it robert ford joined by alex centrone astros first base coach first of all congratulations to you being promoted to first base coach you were uh, a member of the staff last year, mostly serving as a Spanish language translator, but also helping out on, on baseball operations. So I know it has to be a big thrill for you getting to, to coach being uniform every day. Thank you for having me with you. I'm yeah, really blessed that I had the opportunity to be back now as a fair base coach. Last year, I, I was doing translation, a little bit of baseball operation with the organization, and it was a, a great year. You know, won the World Series. So I was excited for my first year back in, in the big leagues mm-hmm. and as a, as, a, as a translator. And then this year, you know, come back with a, I think with a better team and a, as a fair base coach. Now, you played eight years in the big leagues as an infielder, shortstop mostly. Uh, four different teams, mostly with the with the Arizona Diamondbacks in the major leagues, uh, retired after the 2009 season. What has changed in the game that you've seen on the coaching side now compared to when you were playing? 
Well, it has changed a lot. I think um, there's a lot of more information out there. I think we, we have to go and, and, and look for them, you know, got more computer, more analytics uh, numbers and uh, and that's you know it's a, a lot of different before you know it's kind of old school baseball you play with, with your baseball inti- instincts mostly yeah. you know you read swings and they'll tell you how to play you read the signs it's got a slider you move one step to the right fast post guy throw 97 and he's late you move to your left as a shortstop and you, know, you have to make adjustment more uh, mentally but now it's a lot of information there they give you everything to work with you know, it's got a Making sure you can you can relate it to the players and they can buy it for you and they can trust you and, and I think that's have changed a lot at the game. Do you think last year was a good transition for you, learning about all the information that was available and and getting a chance to, to use some of that information and impart it to the players since you had you had been out of major league baseball for a few years? Of course because I had no coaching experience at all. And um, the thing is like as an ex-major league player, I know the baseball side, and then working in baseball operation helped me a lot to understand the numbers, analytics, and what they train to accomplish in the game. So I can combine both. So what I did, I combine my baseball knowledge with the analytics and the and all the information that they have. And I think it was easier for me to do the transition because of that. Because you know I know the game, but now with the analytics, it's all about you know go to the computer, look at the information, what they get, and I know how to do that and write some notes and you know, they. Give you iPads, they give you all the information in paper. So I think it's more easier, and it's good because like I play the game, the player trusts me because you know I'm still young, and they know I play, and it's easy for me to relate it with them, and then to trust me on what I tell them something, or you know I give the information they they trusted. As we mentioned, you'd been uh, the last year in big leagues was 2009. Came aboard with the Astros last year. How did the opportunity to to join the Astros coaching staff come about for you? Well, it was great. I think, um, like I say, I was blessed like, last year. They hired me as a translator, and then, you know, after the season was in, you know, AJ and the front office approached me about opportunity that was going to come out. You know, Richard Dower was about to retire, and then, you know, he got, like, you know, hopefully, you know, he's alive, but he almost passed away. Right. And everybody knows that. So I think it came more official that the job was going to be mine and, you know, kind of go... Um, in a small interview, they knew what I can do, and they offered me the job. And I think it was easy for me to say yes yeah, because I lived here since 2008. It's going to be my 10 year um, in Houston. And um, you know, I'm blessed that my first year in 01, I won a World, Champ- World Series champ with the D backs. And then, first year as part of Astro won the World Series. So, you know, I think that, that was. That was easy too to stay here at home and have a great team and have a great relation with our coaches. Like I know Spada from you know back home Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. AJ been great and you know Stromy, Hodgin, Perez, and then the new two other guys that I just met. They've been part of the organization for a long years, so it, it was easy for me to stay here. I have another offer. I could accept it too with Alex in Boston, but I just decided to stay here because home and you know everything was perfect last year. Alex Centrone, Astros first base coach. So glad you're here in the organization and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 